I'm Pastor JP. Welcome. We are so glad you are checking us out online. We hope the word you're about to hear is an encouraging point in your life today. So we're praying for you. We love you. Stay tuned. Great. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12. And then if, if you are talented and experienced enough, you can keep one finger there and, and go ahead and hold Hebrews 11 in place. Now, some of you, that's a stretch to hold two places in your Bible. Genesis is, is at the beginning. I gave you some help. Most of you are just clicking it. I don't, I, we should change our vernacular. If you have your Bibles today, would you click Genesis chapter 12? And click Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk just for a few minutes this morning about Abram, Abraham. This is a story we all know probably quite well. But I, I just felt led to go here today and to speak on this. And the context in which the Lord begins to speak to Abram here in Genesis 12. Sometimes we can get lost because we know the end of the stories. But if we take a moment and, and grab hold of what's happening in the, in the moment that we're reading the Scripture, it might feed us and nourish us a little bit better. Abram is, is an is a idolater. He, he, is, he worships a moon god. In the land of Ur of the Chaldees. So he, is, he worships a false god. And he, is, he serves the moon god. He lives off in this land of Ur. And just by the providence of God. He enters in Abram's life and speaks. And so then in chapter 12 verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country and your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So, Abram went, as the Lord told him. Now to Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, because God changed his name, when called to go to a place, he would, he would later receive as his inheritance he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith, he made it his home in the promised land, like a stranger in foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. 
And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him, almighty God, faithful, who had made the promise. Would you put your hand there on your word or on your heart? Lord, we, we pause at the reading of, of your word, believing now that you would enter in to every life, every listener, that by the power of your Holy Spirit and the preached word, that you will say unto every individual that in which you long to say, come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I was saved by a little local church. Kept me grounded. Loved me as a young kid. Plenty of rise to church. My family was not in the pews. And they loved me well into my teen years and, and on to my, I guess what you would call adult years. But I wasn't exactly a model teenager. I was immature, irritating. It, it was said that I could be a bit much at times. Can you believe that? Somebody would say that about me. That little local church, they love me anyway. And not in some abstract way. Just real people with busy lives, vocations, and earning a living, and their family and their children, and, and, and all the busyness that life tends to throw at you. And yet, these real people had real love and were pouring out that love on young people like me. And I had nothing to give in return not part of, a, of an influential family or anything like that in the church. But these people, people like Bill, Bill ran the sound system. Bill ran the, the boys' ministry. Bill even hosted a special teenager night once a month on Saturdays, and we would watch Carmen videos. How many remember that? <laughs> times two. You remember times two? We thought we were hot stuff. Bill would come early, had some leaders set up this big thing for teenagers like me. We watched that cool Carmen video up on the projector. That projector was not this big. That projector was this big. You remember those? I'm really showing my age. Well, we were cool. Bill taught me a lot about integrity, about boldness and courage. Taught me a lot about camping and, and techie stuff. And then there was his wife, Jill. Jill, the church pianist. 
master of her craft, and a talented vocalist. She taught me a lot about how to be humble yet so talented. And I spent a lot of time as the second keyboardist, the second pianist, sitting behind Jill, watching how she interacted with the teams and watching how she ministered from behind a piano, learning. And there are others. I can't tell you one youth sermon. I can't tell you. I'm sorry, Jason. I can't remember one youth sermon that my youth leaders or my youth pastors preach. But I can tell you right now, I remember their names and I can see Sam's face and Julia's face and Wayne's face and Shirley's face and Jeff and Tanya's face and Tom and Sherry and Monty. I can go on and on. I, I can't tell you all the lessons and where they came from, but I can tell you who they were and that they loved me. They loved me. And they did nourish me and teach me and feed me. There's one thing I've learned about ministry is that it's okay that you're going to forget what I preach today. The truth is we don't remember a lot of the meals we eat, do we? But they nourish us and they keep us going one more day, one more week. And you're not going to remember this message probably a year from now. You just have to rest in knowing that it gave us enough nourishment to make it this day, to make it this week, that he fed us. My life could have gone in a totally different direction, but these people were my lifelines. They were my lifelines when I tried to run. They were my lifelines when I tried to hide. And I had every excuse to head in different directions considering the circumstances that happened in my life. These imperfect but wonderful, beautiful people poured into me. And I went off to college, and it wasn't a Christian school. Went off to a state school a couple of hours away. And it was like Bill and Jill knew who I was. Probably knew me better than I knew myself. They said, hey, is your graduation present, JP? What we're going to do is every time you come home, We'll see you Sunday. We're going to have a gift waiting for you. So that whole semester, that whole semester, it's all semester long, every time you come home, we're going to have a gift waiting for you. And I was two, two and a half hours away. And I wasn't thinking I was going to come home any weekends, let alone most weekends. I'm like most college students. And, you know, I'm out of here. And would you know, it's like they knew me. They knew greedy little selfish JP would show up every Sunday just to find out what that thing was going to be. And they weren't lying. They weren't lying. Three, four months straight every Sunday I was home nearly every Sunday. And I was in church. And they have a gift for me. Little pocket knives and supplies and just all kinds of stuff. I remember one time. I remember one time Jill and Bill gave me a, a, it's a purple box. I still have it. It's a little purple box. And it was just crammed full of quarters. And I, I was like, okay, 
well, what is this for? And they thought, well, you're in college, right? And you need to do laundry. And so it's for you to do laundry. I think they were trying to tell me something. <laughs> Gave me a box full of quarters. Let's spend $100 worth of quarters in that thing. I need to do a lot of laundry. And their gift, at the time I didn't see it, but now I know what they were doing. They knew I needed to stay anchored. And I fell for it, hook, hook, line, and sinker. Home every weekend. And it was in that season. It was in those services and in that time frame in which God began to really deal with me that I'm not on the path I really should be on. Not going to school and learning what I should be. That I was called to ministry and I knew that. And it was, it was through that season that God put me on the path to ministry and the ministry school at Southeastern. They were my last stop on my drive down to Lakeland, Florida. The last people I wanted to see was Bill and Jean. Listen, if they taught me anything, and especially in that season, and what I see Jump out at the, of the page here in Genesis 12. Is that a step towards our destiny is often a step away from our security. Yeah, I was, I was choosing a path that was comfortable and easy. But how many know God is always calling us to, to step out in a, a new, fresh, and meaningful way that was going to take faith. And not knowing where he was going, Abram said, okay, brand new God I've never heard of. I'll step out. He didn't do it perfectly, but he did step out. And his promises and his destiny... And all of that at 75 years of age, by the way, for Abram. So just in case you think you've graduated out of the time, out of the age zone of fresh vision and dreams for your life. I'm kind of thinking, no, he's still speaking, no matter how old you are. And no matter how old you are, we tend to serve a God that is constantly asking us to step out of our security if we want to step into what he has for us. And Abraham, I want you to go to this place you've never been. And can you imagine if Abram had lived today? Can you hear some of the things that he would have said? Because I can. I can imagine some of the things I would have thought I would have said. But God, I grew up here. I've got all my friends here. I've got roots here. I like it here. My house is paid off. There's good schools here. And I got my best bud. You know, we've been friends since we were 10. They're all right here. You know, I'm kind of, I'd have to get a new haircut place. And I like my great clips. And I have, I have to find a new grocery store. And I, I like my Kroger's. You got to put S on the end. 
Come on, somebody. I like my Kroger's. You don't have a Kroger's if you're still calling it Kroger. Get out of here. You're a poser. It's the Kroger's. It's the Kroger's or the Walmart. Well, which one? We have two. You know. I know where I get my oil change. I just finally found a mechanic I can trust. And we all know how hard that is. So we got to we gotta stay put. We have Christian brothers over on North Highland. <laughs> Shameless plug. That's not in my notes. But they're Jesus loving people, so go get your old change. And God makes this promise in verse 2 and 3. He said, Now here's my promise to you I'll bless you, I'll make you a great nation. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I won't put up with those who mistreat you. Now, it goes on to talk about how all the earth is going to be blessed through you. And I know we read that because we know the end of the story. Shoot, we're part of the end of the story. And we're like, wow, that's awesome and that's great. But you got to remember in that moment, this was all brand spanking new. And Abram's like, huh? I think I'll stick with my moon god. There are going to be nations that come from us. God, I don't know what kind of god you really are, but I, we have zero kids. I'm 75 years old. I'm thinking if we don't have results by now, we're not going to get results. So he's childless, he can't have kids, and he's saying that this new God is telling him, no, nations are going to come out of you. Now listen, sometimes when God promises a thing, the only way we know how to deal with it is, and interact with it is, is through the lens at which we have dealt promises and promises have been dealt to us on a human level which have pretty much all been broken. I mean, how many has ever made a promise to anybody? How many has been made a promise to God? I know I have from time to time over the, over the years. God, if you just let this stomach bug pass, I'm going to do ten nice things for strangers this week. Just let it end right now. Take it, Lord. I promise promise God, if you help me pass this test, next time I will study. But you got to help me pass this thing right now. God, if you just help me. Lord, help me not get arrested. I'll never do it again. You know, all the prayers we've all prayed. We've all prayed these from time to time over the years. We make promises to God and to people, and we break them. But see, here's the thing. You know, when we make promises like that, is we, don't, we don't really hold ourselves to it. Or we give ourselves excuses not to change. I'm, God, I'm going to change my life. I'm going I'm to do things differently if you'll. I promise. But see, we're not changed by the promises and commitments we make. 
Change comes from believing the promises God makes, not the ones we break. And see, that's grace. That's mercy. And friends, you don't have to live in the cycle of of broken commitments and, and promises in your life. You do not have to stay trapped in that kind of past. Let the past be lessons, not a prison. Be changed not, not because you have made commitments and promises that you've broken. Lean into the promises God has made. He cannot break them. And they will not break you. We're changed because we believe the promises God makes to us. And what are some of those promises? Well, if you are a born-again, saved believer in Jesus Christ, one of the greatest promises that we have is that of salvation from death, hell, and sin in the grave. Sometimes I think we can forget that that's a pretty awesome promise. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I tell you what, I'm leaning in on that promise. But you know what? That's a promise made to us. It should change us. It should change our perspective. It should should change our lives. Another promise he talks about, we talked about it earlier, is answered prayers. I mean, think about it. The God of the creation of the universe and all created order and beyond. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15 says, And we are confident that this same God hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we have asked for. That God hears us when we pray. And that he will answer. We might not always like the answers or his timing. But the fact that he even hears us and guarantees an answer is pretty remarkable considering he doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe you anything. The God of the universe hears you when you pray. We have to ask ourselves, that's a promise made to us that should change us. Because sometimes we talk to everybody but God about what's going on in our lives. Some of you think because you told your little gossip circle at church, you've talked to God about it. You know, you got to go to God with that thing. You you want what man has to say about your situation, or you you want their answers, or do you want God's answer? You got to talk to Him about it. That's a promise made to us. That he hears us and that he answers. Why don't we use that promise more? There's a promise of victory. Of overcoming. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. My goodness, that's a a pretty good promise. He could provide a way out to escape temptation. 
can make it through, endure it. James 4, 7, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. That's a pretty good promise. Devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. And he has to flee. Why don't we exercise that promise more? I tell you, Romans 8. It says, if God for us, who can be against us, shall hardships or persecutions, famine nor hunger. Then it goes on to say, no, in, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. More than conquerors. That, the, that there, is, there is a way in which no matter what you're going through, that in the end, you can still end up more than a conqueror. That he makes ways where there seems to be no ways. He enables us to leap over walls or, or to punch right through them. But either way, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good promise. And that promise should change us. That all these promises, and I can go all day, there's just a lot that should change our thinking. Promises that change our perspectives. Promises that should change our approach to life and, and to circumstances. Change our actions. Change our attitudes. Because, see, we'll mess this stuff up. If everything between me and God, if everything between you and God... It all depended on your level of commitment and promises. We are all doomed. But it's not hinged on us. It's hinged on him. And so change comes from believing in the promises God makes, not the ones we break. And so God makes his promise to Abram. And Abram does what he asks. He steps out. You want to you stop and think about this for a moment. What would have happened if Abram didn't go? What if he talked himself out of it, rationalized it, and said, well, it's just easier for me to stay. I can serve you, my new God, right here where I'm at. It's just easier for me. I still love you and want to serve you. I'm just not going to obey you. I didn't think a lot of shouts. Does it sound familiar? I, I, I don't have a problem with Jesus. I love Jesus. I just don't really want to follow him. Where am I at? Now I'm meddling. But somewhere for Abram between believing... And going was a decision. Was a decision to believe the promise. He made a decision. And you know what? You'll have to too. Because God's not going to force you out of the land of Ur. He'll call you out of it, but he won't push you. And so today's decisions determine tomorrow's steps. You got to make a decision before you take some steps. Today, a lot of people refer to God as the God of who? The God of whom? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think about that for a second. When you get to be the first one to step out, it's like after that point, 
That was the reference point. That was the reference point. That was the only way to identify the one true God. It's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. If, if Abram didn't go, there wouldn't be no Isaac. And Isaac, if, if he didn't go, there'd be no Jacob. And he would not be known as the God of Abraham. Because Abraham would have stayed back and identified himself with the moon God. I'm telling you, there would have been untold consequences. Things would have been completely different if Abram didn't have the faith to believe and decide to obey God. Now listen to me, because I believe I'm, I'm talking to somebody, because God's trying to talk to you today. And I'm here to tell somebody, there's going to come a chapter, and for some of you, you are in it. Where you sense that there is something new. There is something stirring. But to go where you believe you're supposed to go, you, you're going to have to step out of the security and the safety that you are in. And if you don't have the faith to step out and do it, and are fearful, and think that that's okay because, well, it's just me. It's only if I'm the one missing the, the blessing, you are mistaken. Hear the word of the Lord today, because your faith may actually activate more than you know, because it's not just about you, because it wasn't just about Abraham. There's an Isaac waiting in all of his people, and then there's a Jacob waiting in all of his people, and then there's Israel, and then there's the pretty much the rest of the story leading all the way to this moment in this house today. That if one person hadn't have stepped out, that chain of events would have been completely different. And I want to tell you that that stirring in you, if you will just be changed by the promises that God has made to you, let that determine your steps. Let that ignite your faith. That faith will ignite a tidal wave of blessings, not just for you, but for the generations that come after you. That is not just about you. If I miss out on God, I'm the one that misses out. No. no. You have no idea how many people may be missing out. Now, I don't mean to put a lot of pressure on you. But, like, feel it anyway. Because I'm sure if you think about it for a moment, you wouldn't withhold any blessing that God may have for your family, would you? Or for your friends. Or for those who are in desperate need. You wouldn't withhold any blessing that God may have. You wouldn't want to be that lock and dam keeping that blessing from flowing in your church or in your community in this region or in this state or, or to this world. Because sometimes the, the best decision you can make is to step out when it would be easier to stay seated, even if it means I don't really know where this is all going. And Abraham not knowing where he was going. So the question is, what does God want you to want? What does God want you to want? 
Because every single one of us, if we take a step back in our lives and we look at the big picture and we don't get, we don't get lost in the trees and the forest and we see the whole thing, what is that that should be different about you and your life? Because it's something that God wants, but you haven't wanted it yet. Not really. And so there's a gap. There's a gap between your present and your potential. And we look at our present and we say, I can't do it. I can't move on. I can't move forward because look at the circumstances that I'm in. Look at where I'm at. But friends, the present doesn't determine your destination. It only determines your starting point. It's just your starting point. What does God want for you to want to do? What, do, what does God want for you to want, for you to desire, for you to envision? And we don't like asking that question a lot because usually that means we know it's automatically going to come with, well, I know he's going to want more of my time and he's going to want more of my attention and he's going to want more of my stuff. No matter what it is specifically, I know it's just going to require more from me and it's going to make me feel very uncomfortable. I might have to talk to new people and forge a new relationship. The list is endless of what can make us uncomfortable. And what does God want for you to want? Because everybody has the excuse not to change. And we typically blame it on the present, but the present doesn't get to determine the destination. It only gets to determine where you start from. Abraham was a moon god-worshipping nomad from the land of Ur, and he becomes the father of our faith. Everybody starts somewhere. I'm kind of thinking you could start right where you're at. Based on the life that God wants you to live. What step of faith do you need to take for your story to end up where God wants it to be? But I want you to see something here. And I want you to hear this. Because your greatest triumph may not be services you rendered, but someone you raised up. Someone you raised up. And I'm not just talking about your own children. Although that certainly, certainly applies. No, I'm, I'm talking about people in general. I'm talking about people, all kinds of people that God has, has placed in your life. Placed in the circles in which you find yourself in. Yeah, that includes the home, yes. But what about the church do you belong to? What about the the job site? What about the office? What about your neighbors or your community? What about extended family? What about those relationship connections that you have? Folks that you know that through circumstances, it's like playing six degrees of separation. You don't even know how you got connected, but you are. You're connected. And now you have an opportunity. You have people all around you that you're supposed to help raise, lift. 
Abraham steps out, and he's called the father of our faith. He was an perfect guy, but he is forever etched into the annals of history by name via the God he worshipped. Because it wasn't about Abraham's ability to do those things or the promises and commitments he made. It was about God's promise and his presence in Abraham's life that was going to see it through. And because he didn't quit, we now read in the word and now pray it in prayers and and say it all the time that our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, that's, that's pretty cool. The God of Abraham, Isaac. And we read it over and over again. Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Notice that it's not the God of, of Abraham who survived the desert. The God of Abraham who also made the journey. The God of Abraham who accomplished great things for God. Not, it's not the, the God of Abraham who made it into the promised land. No, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that his greatest accomplishment in God wasn't what he did for the Lord, but who he raised up in the journey. And the same is true for us. The same is true for us. Be careful not to mistake your dreams and vision for God's. Do you want what he wants? Because I can tell you a litmus test right now that will, that will help you real quick figure it out. If you are the only who that will benefit, chances are you are writing a one-hit wonder of your own life. So I ask you, who are you raising up? Who are you pouring into? Who are you lifting up? Who are you inspiring? Who are you? Who? Not what are you doing for God. Who? Give me a name. Who are you blessing? Who are you mentoring? Who are you helping lift up out of their despair and depression and hardship? Who? Who are you linking arms with? I'm not asking you what are you doing with your life. I'm asking you who. Who? I believe God's asking you. I believe God is asking this church. Who? Who are we pouring life into? Ourselves? Some of you. Some of you might be wondering, I don't know, no, I don't know why. It just seems like my prayers go up to the ceiling and, don't, and, and come back down. Some of you are trying to figure out why you, you can't seem to find your niche. You can't seem to find a rhythm. Some of you are wondering why everything seems so hard right now in your life. And you keep asking and praying for blessing and favor. You even say to yourself, I'm doing all the right things. Which usually just means I'm not doing wrong things. I'm not doing bad things. Friends, we're not, we're not made to be buckets. 
This is not how we were designed. We weren't, we weren't made to just have people and have the Lord through people pour into us, and then that's it. And we just hold it. And then we ask God, why aren't you moving and stirring in our lives? The, the truth is, is that we're made to be more like a watering can. And I don't know why we disqualify ourselves. But everybody in here has got something that they can give and pour out. Even if it's just time and your presence. Where you can, you can pour a little bit of that in which God has poured into you. And you can pour it out. And it makes some room. Now you, now you made some room. And you poured some things out. Okay, and now, now God can, can start pouring some new and fresh things in you. But see, we, we don't do this a whole lot. Sometimes we, we don't really think that way. No, we, we want to constantly be the bucket. And God's challenging us to be the, the watering can. To pour a little bit of out of if not a lot out of what, what he's placed inside of us. Now listen to me. In Psalms 102, it says in verse 16, He will appear. God will appear in his glory. And he will listen to the prayers of the destitute. And he will not reject their pleas. So let this be recorded for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. And the question is, what kind of imprint are you leaving behind? Because if this is it, then this is the next generation. This is all they're going to experience. This is all they're going to ever see. Is that God and the church and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit... But that all of that just exists to fill my bucket. That was the God of my parents, my grandparents. That was the God of Aunt Susie who brought me to church. That was the God of so So that's all I'm going to be. When I finally get a bucket that's full, that's it. But what if, what if we teach and show the next generation that there's more to this? I mean, what, what exactly are we showing them? What, what Jesus really is about and what, why he's blessed us so and what we're able and capable of doing for God. and What, what are we showing the next generation? That the bucket or, or the watering can? Because sooner or later, the praising will stop. This right here, this will ensure that the next generation that's sitting in your seat understands God's big plan. But I don't know. We 
got to be willing to be poured out. We got to be willing to empty ourselves. Because, listen, we all want to see the fruit of God's blessing over our church and over our community. But somebody's got to plant seed and somebody's got to water that seed or we won't ever see anything come about for the next generation. Now listen, you might not have seen it, but somebody watered your life. Somebody poured into you. I'm sure... There are a lot of Bills and Jills. And their faces running across your mind. That people like the Lewises decided that that irritating, aggravating, constantly pushing boundaries, JP, was worth loving. They didn't know me. They weren't family friends. My only connection was I showed up at their church one Sunday. And my life has never been the same. Now, listen. Don't we want that to be carried forward? to be said of you that one day when you're long gone that there's there's peoples and families and maybe even multiple generations that are in Christ and, and in this church because you just loved on somebody that showed up to your small group that just showed up to you, Summit, that just showed up in the nursery one Sunday, or somebody that God placed into your life, and there's next to you at work, and, and you formed a relationship, and the next thing you know, they come to church, and they give their lives to Jesus, and now you have affected multiple generations because you took what little bit you had, and you poured it out. And you didn't keep it to yourself. Listen, I don't know. It just seems like after a while, the blessings of God, if you don't get rid of some of it, just gets heavy. Some of you are feeling the weight of that. And you think it's, you think it's opposition. It's not opposition. It's the Lord trying to turn you into a watering can. So he can pour something fresh and new in you. Listen, somebody's got to be that guy, that woman of faith. I know Bill and Jill. They would take no credit whatsoever for, for where I've ended up in life. That's just them. They would say, oh, that was God. 
we'd, I'm not sure we have much to do with that. Oh, friend, they had a whole lot to do with that. So, Christian, who are you raising up? Who are you watering? Who are you pouring into? Yeah, it gets messy. Loving on people gets messy. Hey, the people who need your love the most are hard to love. It's easy to love people who are nice, but they typically already know Jesus. It's the ones who don't know Jesus is not so nice. But they still need somebody to pour themselves out on them. And yet it splashes and it gets messy. Y'all, I could tell you stories. It's a miracle they didn't kick me out of that little local church for some of the things I did as a teenager. But they loved me anyway. And I know you want to know those stories, and I'm not going to tell you. I have children. Listen, I just got to believe maybe right here off of Olwell there's a church on the corner it's not trying to be somebody they're not they're just trying to grab the watering can in their hands and pour because they decided to because one day they just believed the promise they believe that the the God of JP could be also the God of John, the God of Sally, the God of Sue, the God of Jack, and the God of Shirley, and the God of, you see what I'm saying? Part of Northside's vision is we envision fierce friendships for this reason, and high caliber youth and children's ministry for this reason. Why? So we can brag about what we're doing? No. No, it's not about the what. It's about the who. So that future generations of people not even yet born will praise God. Because you poured yourself out. Listen. Pastor Jason, all you youth leaders, listen. If I were in your youth group, I can guarantee you right now, if there was a vote among your youth leaders and you had to put together a a yearbook, I would not have been most likely to succeed. I'm not even sure I would have been asked for a picture. never know but just poor in church the youth pastor and the youth leader and the children's pastor can't be the only ones trying to pour into the next generation listen you want a revival grab a watering can and pour what the heck are some of you waiting for what are you waiting for 
I'm waiting to finish school, or I'm, I, I'm waiting till I have more time at work, or I'm waiting till they change my schedule, or I'm, I'm waiting for that. Oh my God, I've heard all the excuses. Grab the can in your hand and pour somewhere, some way, somehow. We, we only got one shot at this, y'all. Jesus is coming back, and the Lord is coming in all of his glory. We're looking for a city whose foundation and architect is God. And I want to be able to look around and go, I know a lot of people here. Do you want what God wants? I'm telling you there's a ton of opportunity in our, even in our church for you to grab, grab watering cans and to pour into teenagers pour into children and to pour into the next generation and I know if you're a believer in this house that there are people and circles of people that you are around that God wants you to pour into them so what's your next step of faith a step so big and bold it terrifies you not knowing where he was going. But Abraham stepped out of the land of Ur. Step towards your destiny, often a step away from security. To see that change in you comes from believing the promises of God. So you make a decision today, it helps determine your steps tomorrow because your present doesn't get to determine your destination only where you start because your greatest triumphs in this life will not be the services you rendered unto God it'll be someone you raised up let's pray Lord I ask now in Jesus name that all over this room you would commission watering cans people who have made a decision and decided I don't want to just be a bucket sitting around in cushy chairs soaking it all in till one day I get so fat and sassy I just kill over and die God I pray fresh rain into my life because I want to pour it right back out I want to pour it into other people's lives I want it to touch other people's lives I want to minister to other people I, I, I don't know how I don't know I don't know exactly who maybe even I know who but I don't know how I'm going to do it but I make a decision that this day I'm going to be a watering can because this thing isn't just about me it's about generations to come for who will be left to praise the Lord if we don't lift up our cans and pour out that which you've poured into us. So I pray you give us all a fresh vision for the who, for the next generation. That 
God, that you would pour out such a powerful spirit of anointing and breakthrough and love and compassion. We have no choice but to let that overflow spill out into other people's lives. Call us out of the lands of earth that we have so long lingered in and help us step into that new promised land that you are calling us to. We love you today, Jesus, and we ask it in your name. Amen. I want to do something just as a symbolic act, but I'm believing it'll be a spiritually meaningful moment. But Youth Summit begins tonight. We'll start there. And I'm just believing that all those who's, they're going to run right smack dab into a bunch of bills and Jews. Because we got our own bills and Jews. Like in the Jason. church is going to pray and I just want to sprinkle as an act of faith upon your hands believing that everything you do and everything that transpires this week God is going to use it because every week you pour yourselves out into young people so I'm going to start there and then after they receive then I want all our children's worker anyone that's in children's ministry to come who might be in the room some of you will stand in for your friends. That's okay. But see, I don't know. I just sense in my spirit that this is just, this is symbolic. But I'm believing this is what's going to happen in the spiritual in our church. That God's going to send a revival and he's going to do it because we poured ourselves out into the next generation. I mean, we've been saying it and we've been saying it. then I'm going to call for anybody who wants to make a decision today. That today you just want to make a commitment, a, a declaration to God. Lord, anoint me and help me know who I'm supposed to pour my life into. Because you have a who out there for me. And as an act of faith, I just want to sprinkle a little bit of water on your hand, believing that with it is going to come a refreshing this room. Pastor Jason, I'm going to ask you to come and your team and all those ministering this week. We're going to get a little wet. But how many are going to trust and believe with me? And in this moment, God's going to pour out a fresh anointing for this week. A breakthrough anointing. Because our young people need it. Because there are people that 
even not yet born, they're going to praise the Lord because people like y'all poured yourself out. We love you and God loves you and sees you. So would you stretch your hands this way and y'all hold your hands way out unless you want to get rebaptized. But I'm praying as the water touches your hands today, you sense the presence of God touching your life. Would you stretch your hands this way and lift your voice? God, we pray over every volunteer, every, every servant leader now, that God, that you would pour out a fresh anointing upon their lives, that God, that you would minister to them, that Lord, that they would sense your presence in everything they do this week, and that as they pour themselves out, on these young people, as aggravating and smelly and frustrating as they can get, that God, that they sense that there is great purpose in what they're doing and that they never know where that little life is going to end up. We pray now, God, in Jesus' name, that you send a revival for our young people, for our teenagers this week. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us again. We hope today's word was a blessing to you, maybe even challenged and inspired you. We'd love to connect with you, serve you in any way. Go to mynorthside.church, click the link for us to connect. We are praying for you. We believe that God has great things in store for you. We'll see you next time.